Welcome to Leveling Up, a noob's quest to get good. This is a gaming history and interview podcast where each week we take a new game and discuss its history. As well as look at it from the perspective of someone who hasn't played a lot of games. I'm Joe, your resident gaming historian. And I'm a big daddy here to drill you. Tina, welcome to the show. This episode of Leveling Up, A Noob's Quest to Get Good. This week, we're playing that spooky-ass game that I like to call Bioshock. Me me, and the company that published it. I'm glad we agree. <laughs> hey, Tina. You what- gave it this good nickname. Hey, Tina, what do you call it, and what is it? I, you know, strangely enough, I also called the game Bioshock. Dang, that's neat. What a, what a cool coincidence. Wow. And what is this game, Joseph? This is a... I know for sure this is a horror first-person shooter, and you go around in some underwater city, and you kill lots of different people. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's pretty much it's pretty much hits the nail on the head. Uh, yeah. Slight, again, because genres are stupid, here's our uh, bi-weekly genre discussion. You are correct yes. that it is survival first-person shooter, but this specifically- I said horror first-person shooter. What, did, what the heck did I just say? You said survival. Well, that's what it's called. It's- <sighs> You said horror first-person shooter. The technical genre is survival horror. Is the is the technical name of this genre? Uh, survival horror started with like the Resident Evil games. Um, it's basically the idea that it is heavily based in horror, and it's usually a first-person shooter or a third-person shooter. But the idea is there are limited resources. It's not like a first-person shooter like Borderlands, where you have like all the ammo you ever need. There's limited. Mm-hmm. There's limited health packs. There's limited ammo. And that makes the that is a mechanical backbone to the horror part of it, um, because not only is the environment scary, but also you'd never feel overpowered. You always feel like mm-hmm. you're on the edge of survival. So that's why it's called survival horror. I can see that. Yeah, I definitely definitely felt that feeling a lot. Yeah. Uh. So general impressions. How did you feel about the game? You actually. Had me play this game, oh god, it must have been like six years ago. It was definitely a while it, ago. It was definitely a while ago. I think it was six years ago. Because um, it was when we were in high school. Or it was when I was in high school. And I remember not making it through, like, the first three minutes of this game. Something like that, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and it wasn't just because I was incredibly bad at video games in general, which is a big part of it i'm sure but i was just kind of a little wimp about it so i was real scared uh to go play this game but it's okay because we played it during the summer so the days are super long so i could always play it when it was light out so it was fine yeah (laughs) so you liked it though it was okay okay so here's the issue i have with it and i know this isn't fair to the game okay I get that this isn't fair to the game, but like we've played Borderlands and that's the only other first person shooter that we've played. Mm -hmm. So I can't 
but help compare it to it. Sure. Just like last episode, we compared Necrodancer to Isaac constantly. Constantly, it's, yes. It's gonna happen. The more games you play, the more kind of touchstones you'll have, whereas in the beginning you were just comparing them as themselves. You're, you're going to compare them to other games, and that's not a bad thing. And I liked... I don't know. I just thought Borderlands was such a better first-person shooter. That's fair. I agree. I don't. I don't know that better is the exact word. I felt more enjoyable. I felt that the gunplay in Borderlands was better, but I mm-hmm. also think that might be an effect of the genre. It, uh, Borderlands is a power fantasy. The gunplay feels great because you're. It's about shooting guns and being awesome at shooting guns. Mm-hmm. Whereas in this game, it's less about a power fantasy, and it's more about, like, all of the guns felt slightly janky, but again, I feel like that just added to the effect of the survival horror thing. You are never, like, super proficient at gun. Yeah, you you never were. Yeah. But, at the same time, because of that, I did enjoy it less, personally. Yeah, I I definitely felt that. And I also, I really like horror movies, and don't get me wrong. This game was scary, but I think because I had, and this is gonna this is gonna sound so weird, but I think since I had to focus on doing well and like making sure I killed all the things, I wasn't as like, oh, I'm just gonna sit here and be terrified, you sure. know? Sure. That's definitely how it was for the first. I definitely was absolutely terrified for the first like bit of the game, but then like honestly, it kind of wore off. That's fair. Whereas in a horror movie, when you watch it, like, the terror and the fear just gets worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. And that's kind of enjoyable? Like, it's a better progression? Yeah, understandable. I I think it's... In- I think that's... I think that makes sense a little bit. Um, While it is janky at the start, I think that is exactly... Like, your level of skill in the game it was inversely proportional to your level of terror, Right. The yeah, better you got exactly. at the game, the better you got at handling your plasmids and your guns and all that, the less scary it got. Mm-hmm. Whereas at the beginning, you had that cutscene, you were drowning in the ocean, and then you came down, and there were the splicers, and uh, that was, like, very scary. A hundred percent. Like, everything before the medical pavilion was terrifying. And it is, it's a shame that, like, me being a bit unhappy with the game is kind of, like, inevitable. Because if they kept, like, that sense of terror, you'd be like, oh, well, I never, like, I never got any better. The game just kept getting harder and harder, you know? Makes sense. Like, you never felt proficient at it, but if you start to feel like, if you actually do start to improve, then you start to be less scared. Okay. I definitely... So, I don't know. I feel like it was, it's a hard line to walk. Yeah, I definitely want to play... A Resident Evil at some point because I feel like they do the survival horror thing better. They they're the progenitor of the genre and they've been making games for years. Not all of them are great, but there was a recent a recent Resident Evil two remake that got like very critical acclaim. So I would love for us to play that one. Is it zombie based? Yes. Okay. Yes. Tight. Um, yeah, we touched on it a little bit, but I want to kind of dig in a little more. How overall, like outside of the first you know 30 45 minutes how did you feel about the atmosphere of the game as the as a whole the setting the setting of rapture being underwater and the atmosphere that that built outside of whether or not it was scary outside of whether or not it was scary they really did a good job okay the i mean i think they did it kind of felt similar to how i felt about hollow knight where it felt flushed out you know yes I thought I, th- I thought they did a pretty good job. 
Absolutely. I think I think the world was very well built and felt very real. Yeah, I, I would agree. <laughs> yeah. Um, so how did you feel about those survival aspects? You know, having low amounts of supplies constantly. <laughs> it, it was definitely a huge learning curve. Yeah. I imagine at the start of the game, you're in a very Borderlands mood, and so you're just shooting all the guns always. Exactly. And then you run out of bullets. And then I'm like, well, I guess... I'm glad I still have my wrench. Like, yep. because of that, I kind of ended up using my wrench a lot throughout the game. Yeah, I certainly did. But that was because of a thing we talked about before and because I know about survival horror. Mm. The fact that I know how survival horror works combined with my, like, too good to use tendencies, mm -hmm. I ended up using my wrench a significant amount. I intentionally also try to act against my too-good-to-use syndrome. For instance, I actually used the grenade launcher, where I absolutely <gasps> would not have in a previous, like, playthrough. I'm so proud of you! But, like, there were still times where, like, I was saving up, you know. Yeah. I was using my wrench and maybe dying a little more than I should have because survival horror plus too-good-to-use ended up with, you know, a bit of the saving of the stuff. That's understandable. And I feel that the... The need to constantly be saving and almost hoarding stuff does keep that little bit of sense of fear that you do have constant throughout the game. Yeah, definitely. I think that's I think that's a cool uh, instance of a new term I'd like to introduce. Uh, it's a cool uh, piece of Ludo narrative. Uh, I don't really know what the term is. L Ludo narrative is the term, but it's like a Ludo narrative piece of mechanic. I guess it's a Ludo narrative mechanic. Uh, Ludonarrative is a term that comes from ludology and obviously narrative. Ludology is the study of games, and something is ludonarrative if it is if it's something that spans both the mechanics of the game and the uh, narrative of the game. So in this case, the lack of supplies reinforced the narrative of the horror, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So therefore, the um. So therefore, the sparse. The sparseness of the resources is ludo narrative. Like, is that how you would use that word? Basically, I usually hear the word tossed around as like, "Oh, this is ludo narratively dissonant in that it doesn't mm. reinforce the story." Usually, it's in terms of mechanics reinforcing a story, the narrative. Okay. Um, look at you and your big words. Your game degree was worth something after all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I definitely learned about that in my game degree, and not off fucking pompous pundits on youtube i mean well i guess we're just back to square one then and yeah. it yeah it was a fun four years i guess <laughs> how do you feel about the gunplay and all of the different guns i said this to you a few times in the early game but i felt so much worse at shooting the guns yeah than i did when i played borderlands and it was actually kind of getting me down a little bit okay because since we've played Borderlands, you and I, like, we are now co-oping Borderlands 2 together, and it's been super fun, and I feel, like, almost sort of good at, like, something. And so this kind of obliterated my first-person shooter confidence that was slowly budding, and it was kind of sad for a bit. But Understandable. Yes, but eventually, like, I just realized that the the mechanics were built differently, so, like... It wasn't all just me. It was supposed to feel really different, and it felt incredibly different. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, like, 
almost kind of because of that, the because I had those expectations of what it should feel like, and they were such limited expectations, the, I mean, it was, it was very hard to get into. Mm -hmm. By the end of the game, did you enjoy the gunplay, this new type of gunplay, or was it still, like, dissatisfying? Mm, I think, yeah, I really think it was still unfulfilling. Okay. It was, it was cool to kill someone and know you completed them or know you com like completed that challenge but i don't know i did i did not get like the same kind of pleasure that i did as when like we played borderlands okay fair enough how now how did you feel about the plasmids though okay those were really cool yeah i really liked the plasmids i liked all the different powers they were very neat they, they were one of the few things in the game that felt empowering as opposed to degrading isn't the right word, but I'm going to use it. I I would go with degrading. I, I feel that sentiment. Okay. The plasmids were awesome. Yeah. They were so cool. They were almost like, they were like just a little bit of magic, but with mostly science. It was so great. It was, it was also a, I don't know if I use them as like a, a crutch because they definitely really did help compensate for my lack of ability with the guns <laughs> but they also like they were a good way to reward i think the game did a good job for rewarding you for explorations with like with the better power-ups definitely yeah uh okay then one last small little uh mechanical subsystem uh, how did you feel about the hacking <sighs> okay so, well, I might not have been in love with every every mechanical piece of Bioshock. I'm sorry, the hacking was stupid. That That's the impression I get from a lot of people, yeah. <laughs> like, it didn't... Okay, I guess it kind of made sense because the first tool that you were given to interact with the world is a wrench. But, like, why is hacking something just, like, changing the plumbing... I mean, it's just another hacking minigame. This is something you'll find out as we play more AAA games. There are dozens of variations on hacking minigames. And uh, this is just one of them. And, like, I've seen from, like, watching other people play GTA, I've seen, like, that hacking minigame. And that's, like, basically just as stupid. Has there ever been a good one? Um, I generally think the ones in, um... Deus Ex are pretty good. People generally like that one. Uh, yeah, and I'm sure there are others, but I just Deus Ex is the first one to pop to mind as like an example of a pretty solid one. Um, okay. But there are a lot of games that have a lot of mini games for various tasks. Like we're playing a little bit of Skyrim uh, in preparation for a future episode, and you've played. You've probably done the lock picking. That's a mini game. Mm -hmm. And lock picking and hacking are like the two big mini games in the video game world that have just many, many variations. Even the even the lockpicking minigame in the Elder Scrolls V Skyrim is not the same as the one in all of the other Elder Scrolls games. I mean, that's just kind of ridiculous in and of itself. And I think that the hacking minigame in Bioshock is kind of laughable. Fair enough. So let's have get... Have you ever hacked anything? Me? No. Yeah. I, I okay. No. No, no, I did not do CSEC. Okay. That is such a wildly different skill set. No. 
I'm sorry. No, no, no. I'm not. I'm not berating you. I'm. 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 La- I guess I am kind of berating you. I'm laughing at the assumption that I would have any ability to hack anything. <laughs> um. I mean, I don't know if hacking is just twisting some pipes. Like, I could probably figure that out. I mean, that's understand. I mean, yeah. Uh, let's get into one of the bigger, kind of uh, chunkier parts of the game. How did you feel about the big daddies and the little sisters? They were the fr- their introduction was nearly, if not absolute perfection. I think. Yes, I thought that was absolutely one of the best scenes in the game. A hundred percent, and I definitely see how they have become such an icon of like i don't know necessarily the franchise but definitely like a bioshock yeah one yes like i know i've seen them before like i actually played the game right i mean absolutely they're they're one of the like most one of the bigger recognizable enemies in like gaming as a whole like absolutely everybody that's that's in the gaming space knows what a big daddy is and i think that how much the how much the, these characters have um kind of permeated through this space is really a testament to how like terrifying they were and how good of an introduction they had and how like consistent they felt yeah uh also like it was nice to actually get like you were scared of them first and then you got lore and backstory on them that made them slightly less terrifying yeah but at the same i thought that was cool i thought that was cool yeah, and at the same time, I I felt like the more powerful you got, it was slightly easier to fight them. They were still pretty hard by the end of the game, though. Yeah, they that was still a challenge. Yeah. And I think since they stayed a challenge, it definitely encouraged you to try, not necessarily to sneak past them as much as possible, but to not engage them as much as possible. Okay, interesting. Again, therefore, playing into the whole survival uh atmosphere versus just straight horror atmosphere sure totally that makes i'm curious now how many of them did you kill i mean so i tried to sneak past a lot of them okay once i found out that i could okay i think i only got past one okay so you killed most of them i did but like it's the thought that counts you know there's no accounting for my skill level no, 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 no. I actually... That's interesting. Because, I mean, to get the good ending of the game, you have to kill all the big daddies. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think it's interesting that you think the game incentivizes sneaking past them when it, like, you don't want to sneak past them. You want to kill them all. Um, I'm not saying you were wrong at all. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying that's a really interesting point of view. I don't know. I, I don't know. Thank um, you. But talking about that true ending, how did you feel about the Little Sisters? And did you harvest or save them? So, so, well, here we are. The big question, where we get to find out that I'm an actual monster. (laughs) Okay, so when I play, I don't know, no, because this and Undertale have been the only games where, like, I've actually had, like, choosing to do, I guess. But... I get very wrapped up and very worried about my own survival. So, no, I, I think I killed almost every one of them. Fair enough. I'm not going to diss you for that. I understand the point that you're coming from. You've had you've been following this person. You've been following Atlas this whole game, and he seems fairly reliable. And then this new person comes in and is like, no, you must save them. I'm sure they are not evil at all. 
And, like, why would you trust this other person when Atlas has been perfectly friendly to you this whole time? Exactly. Also, like, I know that by... It's almost like the bird in the hand thing, you know? Like, I know by killing them I get something. Yeah. And, I mean, I looked up, like, once, once the ending happened and then, like, I went and did more research on the game, like, I looked up what would have happened if I didn't kill them as much. And, like, the... What is her name? Tenenbaum? Tenenbaum. Yeah. She, like... She would have given you stuff if you didn't kill them. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but, like, it's... it's oh, Fuck off. But, like, you know, it's the bird in the hand thing. No, absolutely. Yeah, you, you get more... It's, yeah, you get more immediate reward. You get 160 atom when you harvest them, as opposed to the 80 atom for sparing them. But you mm. get, overall, every three you harvest, you get an extra 200 atom, so you only lose, like, 40 atom for every three of them, and you get extra shit. As opposed to you who looked it up afterwards, I looked it up before, because I knew how these kind of moral choices worked, and I Ugh. figured it would be better to, har- to uh, not harvest, to save them, and I was correct. I mean... When given the choice, I knew, like, I did not know. I had an instinct it would be better to save them, but I thought it would also be harder. Like, it would make the game harder. It actually made the game easier. Hey, you know what? Guess what? I don't care. I'm a baby murderer. That's fair. Welcome, Anakin Skywalker, to the stage. You murdered (laughs) all the younglings. I did. I murdered all the younglings. Right Um, in front of their fathers. Yeah, right in front of their dead fathers. (laughs) <laughs> father's corpses dead dead mr bubbles <laughs> i killed your friend and i made you watch and then i killed you yeah but speaking of all that extra cool shit that tenenbaum gives you how did you feel this is kind of the first big one of this type how did you feel about all the different upgrade systems there were so many more than i expected in this game i had Disclaimer, I had not finished this game before. I got to, like, the medical pavilion previously, and then I just didn't get past it. I didn't know there was so much shit. There's plasmids, there's tonics, there's power of the people, there's gatherers gardens, there's the different ammo types, there's the camera, there's the U-invents. There's so much shit! No, there really is! It was... I didn't expect it to be overwhelming, but it it was a little overwhelming. Yeah. Because, like... Since it definitely did have, like, that bare-bones... The rest of the game had this bare-bones feel. Suddenly you have this plethora of options open to you. And it's like, okay, hold on. Hold on. Hold up. Gotta Let me butter them up first. <laughs> but it it was something that I found, like, really enjoyable about the game. Yeah. I don't know. I, I liked the reward for... More exploration, more exploration, not just being, here, you do more damage, you know? Yeah. It was like, here, maybe you can make a trap, you know? Or, like, maybe make this cool new weapon. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I really liked all the different types. I liked that there was gun upgrades and plasma upgrades, and there was, there was almost, like, like, a badge system with all the tonics. Yeah. There was so much, there was a surprising amount of customization in this game. So, like... I don't want to say it because we already talked about it, but, like, is it an RPG? No. It's not. It's... Because there's no level system, but, like, you get... Ugh. Partly that. I would move say, on. I would say it's almost more of a Metroidvania than an RPG. Why? Purely based on the fact that your progression is based on items instead of strict levels. 
But it's not because it's an incredibly linear game, but you get what I'm saying. Yeah, I get what you're saying. I don't know. Let's 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 walk away from this genre talk. <laughs> Genres are dumb. But specifically I want to zero in on one of them. How did you feel about the camera? I it was a great idea. Okay. It was a really, really cool idea. Here a butt. Well, no, because then a butt invalidates everything I just said, and I do want to emphasize how cool of an idea I thought it was. I just wasn't... I just... I was just very bad at using it. No, that's totally fair. There are a lot of games that have this kind of system where you can take pictures of stuff. It's like Goombella's... um, Her tattle ability. Yeah, it's like her tattle ability. There's that kind of type of thing in a lot of games, and I just never use it because I always forget. Because it's because I'm more focused on not dying. Well, exactly. Like, I would try to use it, and then I would end up dying. It's like, yeah, I still have the knowledge, but, like, now I just died. Yeah. So I imagine you didn't get many camera upgrades. No, I didn't. It's unfortunate, but understandable. Neither did I. <laughs> Good. So you, you, can't, you can't bash me. Good. I like this. I, I, never, I never intentionally bash you for your play style. I'm, I, I just bring up the alternative. I'm not, I wasn't saying I was a better person for saving the children. I'm just telling you what the alternative is and why it's better. Um, the alternative to saving the children is killing the children. No, I'm saying why saving the children is a better alternative. <sighs> Shut up. Um, so. I'm glad I killed them. Let's get to that big, that big uh that big middle that big mill bit how did you feel about andrew ryan and that weird boss not boss fight it it was cool like that was a great the i mean i guess he's no he was a twist he was a twist i'm gonna say he was a twist and like your backstory is a twist i thought that was freaking awesome yeah that was i would call sanders a twist of sanderson proportions I would say that's fair. I would say Andrew Ryan is the red herring, whereas Atlas is the twist, but I get what you're saying. I mean, yeah, Andrew Ryan himself is probably a red herring, but, like, his boss fight, quotes, yeah, whole bunch of scare quotes there, is where you find, I don't know, I feel like, like, that's where you find out stuff about your backstory. So, yeah, I mean, like, that part is a twist, I guess? I feel like there's two twists. Mm-hmm. There's, the twi- there's the twist that Atlas isn't a good guy. Mm-hmm. And there's a twist that you're not a real person? I guess? Something like that. Something about implanted memories or something. I'm unclear. You're basically a test tube, baby. Yeah. But speaking of Atlas, or Frank Fontaine, how did you feel about Atlas pre-twist and post-twist? And also, how do you feel about the twist in general? The would you kindly? Oh, oh, that twist was so good. It was so good. Yeah. Like, because I did not expect it at all. Mm-hmm. Like, it did not, Atlas talking to you over the radio and using the phrase, would you kindly, did not seem out of place. Yeah. They really gave you no clues, and I'm kind of glad they gave you no clues. This wasn't a mystery I wanted to solve, I just wanted to be surprised, and I was. I think the only clue they gave you was on that, like, conspiracy board right before the Andrew Ryan fight. Yeah, and by, and by then, like, it, it didn't matter. Yeah, you're like, huh, that's a little weird. Anyway, I'm gonna go kill this guy now. Honestly, like, I think the only the only clue that you had that something was up was the fact that you encountered Andrew Andrew Ryan, like, 
so early or like you didn't have a lot of gameplay time before you encountered him you know yeah like it seemed like a very short game if if andrew ryan was the final boss exactly and it didn't seem like the bioshock didn't seem like the kind of game where it would be like oh when he gets away at the last minute only to be encountered later again you know like he wasn't gonna swoop away you know yeah yeah so but by the time you figured that out it was too late you know yeah it was it was a very good twist i was very excited about it yeah and then how did you feel about atlas versus frank i thought they walked a fine line of like keeping his character the same but also showing that like he had dropped his atlas mask like going back and watching like watching specifically the opening bits where atlas is talking to you again i feel like there are some moments where you're like oh yeah like i could see that he is like that is like an evil person talking to me you know yeah other than just the would you kindlies obviously yeah so i felt that they did a good job in keeping his uh character consistent even though like even before you knew he was a bad guy yeah i really i really like that in games i like when playing it back for a second time you can see all the kind of hints and clues as to the bad guy being the bad guy and then after that how did you feel about the second half of the game versus the first half of the game the halves being divided by obviously the twist yes the halves being divided by obviously the twist um as much as i enjoyed the twist because it was such a good good twist i think i just really like the first half better okay why like i thought like the best the we will talk about this more when we get to highs and lows but the things that i liked tended to all be in the first half of the game that's fair and the things that i hated the most tended to be in the second half of the game i think i was about the same yeah yeah so i just think that it was the the twist was so great that not that the second half of the game was a letdown, but they had this great twist, and I just thought the second half was a letdown. Okay. It wasn't a letdown because of the twist. It just, just happened to be a letdown, and it was more glaring because you just had this awesome, this pretty good first half and an awesome twist. That's fair. Um, how did you feel about the chapter where you became a big daddy and escorted a little sister through a thing? That was awesome. Yeah. I really like that. I thought it was very cool. Especially because they were always so hard and so creepy. Yeah. It was kind of cool to, like, slip into that skin. Yes. It, it's one of the few, like, empowering moments in the game. Yeah. And it was... I thought that they did it really well where you got to feel that awesome feeling and they let you really enjoy it. But there was no lasting effects of that, you know? Yeah, for sure. You didn't walk away with a huge new upgrade. Mm-hmm. And so I thought I thought that was a nice kind of moment of sunshine without spoiling the rest of the game. Totally, totally. Uh, and then also I got to be a big daddy. Yeah. Uh, how did you feel about the Atlas fight? <sighs> I was disappointed. Yeah. <laughs> Just. <laughs> yeah, he's not my oh, least. He's not my least favorite boss, but he's like on the bottom half. Oh, he was my least favorite. Spoilers. Wow, okay. It was just... Mm. Like... And it, it was it was very sad that this character that had become really awesome, like, had such a shitty ending. I mean, that's fair. I don't know. I like the... 
again, I liked almost the ludonarrativeness of it because he he went on about how, oh, I'm using up all the Atom. And then you have to deal with the Atom. You can't just kill him. You have to deal with the Atom. I thought the mechanic of dealing with the Atom could have been done a little better, but... Mm-hmm. The, I can I can see that. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit more about the story. Uh, and by story, we talked a little bit about the story and the flow of the story, but let's talk a little bit more about, like, the world and the atmosphere. How did you feel about the world that they built and the story that they told within it? I I don't think I had a full appreciation for how awesome the world was until, like, I read a little bit deeper about it and I removed myself, like, from that layer of actually having to play the game while you're listening to, like, someone explain shit to you, yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah, Like, the... After going on the wiki and reading about the whole thing with... Adam and like it's like they went into like stem cells and cell differentiation and like oh but obviously then therefore a um an easy side effect of that would be like cancer and like your cells metastasizing and I was like holy fuck like they really thought this shit through like it was just I just I just got to nerd out like just a little bit about that like I get that it's science fiction but I was like you actually like you know you did like one quick google search I'm so proud of you I love that I ask about the world and the, like, core concepts of Bioshock as a world are based around Ayn Rand's philosophy, and you go instantly to the doctory, nerdy science shit. And, like, of course you do. You're training to be a doctor. It makes sense. I just, I do still love that you went there first. As okay, an I'm example. sorry, I'm sorry. No, I'm sorry. No, I will sit here and we will put on we will put on our philosophy hats and we will sit here and talk about slaves and obeying and we'll we'll get so topical, Joe, about building Oof. other cities and building walls and it'll just be great. It'll be a great time. Let's go. Oof. I'm here for it. No, shush, don't apologize and stop <laughs> being so sarcastic about it. You know what I meant. <laughs> no, I know what you meant. I know. But like, yeah, let's 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 go talk about like the, the implications of Rapture. Yeah. Well, for the first implication is this man was fucking richer than build, build fucking Gates over here to have built this magnificent underwater utopia. Yeah, seriously. Dystopia at this point, but you know what I mean. He, I mean, I guess he tried. He tried, I think. He tried, but honestly, he literally failed in every sense of the word. He failed so hard in so many ways. Well, no, because he... He talked a whole bunch about, like, the one of the first quotes you see from him is, um, no gods, no kings, only men. He was but, absolutely like, a king. He was absolutely a king. And Loki, with those atom powers, like, people are basically gods. Proof Frank Fontaine. Yeah. Proof Frank Fontaine. I mean, not quite, like, uh, you know what I mean. unkillable like gods, but that is, like, he, he is literally playing god in rewriting their genetic code. Like, that is the... Like, such a hang-up about, about that part of science is people don't like you, quote-unquote, playing God. Yeah, yeah. And also, I mean, Frank Fontaine was unkillable until you removed the atom, so... So he basically was a God. Yeah, exactly. So, Ryan, you literally failed... All of the in... quotes. Yeah, you just, you suck so hard. And, like, we can sit here talking about how, like, you were, like, a slave obeys or whatever, and, like... You thought that your last act of, like, ordering the... His name's Jack, right? Yeah. Your character's Jack? I believe You so. thought that your, like, ordering of Jack to kill you was, like, you taking it back? But, like, Atlas had already ordered that. 
So yeah. you were just obeying Atlas's orders. Yeah. So you suck. Yeah. I I'm not super political and I I, I never read Ayn Rand's fucking shit, but like I thought it was a really interesting take on obviously I I feel like the Bioshock developers and designers did not have high regard for Ayn Rand's philosophy. Mm-hmm. And I just think they really took it and made it a really interesting dystopia with within that philosophy. Can you quickly summarize Ayn Rand's philosophy, just so everyone's on the same page? So, I'm no expert in Ayn Rand's philosophy. I would not even consider myself an amateur. So I'm just going to read Wikipedia here for a bit. Ayn Rand's philosophy is called objectivism. Objectivism's main tenets are that reality exists independently of consciousness, that human beings have direct contact with reality through sense perception... Uh, that one can obtain objective knowledge from perception through the process of concept formation and inductive logic, that the proper moral compass of one's life is the pursuit of one's own happiness, and the only social system consistent with this morality is one that displays full respect for individual rights embodied in a laissez-faire capitalism, and that the role of art in human life is to transform humans' metaphysical ideas by selective reproduction of reality into a physical form, a work of art, that one can comprehend in, and to which one can respond emotionally. So that's a so lot of like, shit to say. I believe my understanding of it. All humans have their own moral compasses based on their own likes and dislikes, and Ayn Rand doesn't like big government. Ayn Rand doesn't like big government. Ayn Rand is a Republican. I mean... I guess that's okay for Ayn Rand. I mean, like, some of the stuff he said, or that he believes about objectivism, and, like, reality is independent of consciousness, and, like, we experience reality through um, sensing it. Like, okay, that stuff is fine. But when you get into, like, your primary goal should be your own individual, like, your own individual happiness yeah. or survival, like, that that gets kind of like, eh. That also goes across. That also feels like it goes against the entire basis of human civilization. In that, without working together, human civilization would not exist. Exactly, and I think that as much as this game, like they did a great job of showing like those flaws in his philosophy, you know, because Rapture was an isolated city, and it was such an isolated city, and that not ended up being its downfall, but when when they isolated themselves, they ended up basically destroying themselves. Yeah. It, it was also kind of a, you know... It's also interesting because it, it the game kind of espouses that this, is, this whole thing happened because of human greed. So the game comes across as a cautionary tale about how human greed will destroy society like this. Mm-hmm. But I personally see that as slightly optimistic. I'm not saying I defending objectivism it needs to be tempered a bit but i feel like it's not the worst starting point for all of philosophy assuming you believe that overall humans are not greedy douchebags which is in this world current day kind of hard to believe <laughs> we're not sure yet we're still trying to figure that one out a bit but you know there's both sides and i also think it's interesting that objectivism is it feels a lot like the exact opposite of communism and both are bad, and I feel like that kind of supports the idea that you need, like, something in the middle to be a good society. Mm-hmm. A good, productive society. And not a bunch of douchebags. And not a bunch of 
douchebags. Yeah. And there's just there was one. Hold on, where did you find the tenets of it? Oh, I just went to Wikipedia. It's like the second paragraph. Also, before you go on with whatever you're saying, I just like the little pun. Ayn Rand's main book about objectivism is called Atlas Shrugged, and the second half of the game is shrugging off Atlas's control, and I just like the pun. Ooh, I like it. Yeah. Ooh, I like it a lot. Um, I don't know. There's some things about the philosophy of objectivism that are kind of okay, but the one about how, like, we can obtain objective knowledge from uh, perception alone just kind of seems like really wrong well we can obtain objective knowledge through perception and inductive logic okay but even using like perception and inductive logic like our perception of things is clouded so much by like our experience Mm -hmm. so it's i feel like it would be really hard to accurately say i have objective knowledge specifically like about other people yeah and like their situation and so i feel this is a large lack of like empathy and understanding people and i guess that kind of fits into the whole isolation thing that seems to be happening with this and that just i don't know that tenant makes me very sad (laughs) also this might be a crazy thing i'm about to say but this seems to insinuate that there's no space for imagination in the obtaining of objective knowledge i mean yeah it because then you have to be able to perceive something yeah like, but, like, there's so many things that, like, we cannot perceive until we know that, like, we're looking for them. Yeah. So there needs to be some, like, imagination to get there. Yeah, I would agree with that. Cool. That's, I would agree with that. You extrapolated into something that made more sense than the bullshit that came out of my mouth, so thank you. <laughs> That's fine. Also, yay, this is our first episode where we're going to discuss politics. I'm sure it's going to go over great. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> I didn't talk about walls once. Uh, I wanted to bring up two little things about the Andrew Ryan fight. Little, big, whatever. Mm. Or the Andrew Ryan fight and the twist surrounding it. I wanted to ask you what you, how you thought about the idea that this boss fight was just a cutscene. And also the fact that this, this Andrew Ryan guy, this guy that was built up to be the end boss. Like, obviously he wasn't, but he was built up to be the final boss. And he's such a fucking weak baby. He's such a baby. I just wanted to know, yeah. I think that the, how they did it, I think, spoke a lot about what the people who made Bioshock actually believed, you know? Um, Where there was, there was this person who built himself up to be, like we said earlier, a king, you know? But, like, he might have more money and he might have more power, but he is just a man. Yeah. Oh, and I think, I think that... The uh, Ryan fight looks kind of even smaller when you juxtapose it with the actual final boss of Atlas because Ryan is this big, um, this person who has all this money and power that has been built up throughout the game and yet he's just a pushover, whereas Atlas has seemed like the small working man throughout, I guess, the first half of the game and he ends up being like this big evil monster. So I think that the fights juxtapose each other kind of nicely. Yeah. And I liked, I don't know if I liked the fact that the, that, that interaction with him was just a cutscene, but there really was no other way to do it, you know? Yeah, definitely. I mean, maybe you literally could have, ooh, I don't know. That kind of would have been cool. If you 
like forced the player to like if it wasn't a cutscene and you force them to like walk over there, stand up, sit down, and like you know how there are like walls, like invisible walls in video games that like prevent you from like going too far? Yeah. If you had like really tight walls, so like you you couldn't walk around him, you know, like you just had to go straight over there. I don't know, I feel like that almost would be like a little more powerful. I understand that. Than just a cutscene. But I I got why they did the cutscene. And it still was impactful as a just watching it, you know? Yeah. I did enjoy how he was such a pushover though. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I mean, yeah. The yeah. I thought the boss boss fight I thought it was cool. I like the idea that they did with it. I like what they did with it. I like a lot of the story elements. I'm not usually a huge story guy. In games, I'm more a mechanical guy, but I actually really like the story that they told in this one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but going back to that term I brought up earlier, ludonarrative, um, I actually want to talk to you a little bit about, a little bit more in depth about the would you kindly idea. Because okay. the, like I said, the idea of ludonarrative is it's a connection between mechanics and storytelling. And it's usually used with ludonarrative dissonance when there is a dissonance between what the story is telling you you're doing and what the gameplay is telling you you're doing. A lot of time this is brought up in like a shooter game, like like a real first-person shooter, not that this isn't, but you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. A real one where it's like, oh, I'm so scared of all these bad guys, and then I go and murder 17 million people. So I'm curious in this game how you felt about the possible ludonarrative dissonance of the would you kindly thing. Because, yes... In the story, you were you're told that would you kindly force you to do things, but would you kindly never technically force you to do things? There was no there was no mechanical push for would you kindly to force you to do things. But at the same time, the game was fairly linear. There was like side pockets to explore, but you generally went from point A to point B. So it kind of enforced it, but not like directly enforced it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I'm just curious what your thoughts are on that idea. I think that the, yes, there might have been a little bit of dissonance there. However, like you said, the game was super linear. And I, I don't know if people have, there's no way you can progress without doing those like few things that he asks you in the beginning, right? Outside of glitches and speed running, assuming you're not glitching the game, yes, you have to do the things that he says in the order that he says them. In which case, I think preserving the the twist and specifically the reveal of it is so much more important than that little bit of distance that you do get. Fair enough. Hey guys, Joe here. Just want to pop in here at the midpoint to let you know some information before we finish up the episode. First of all, we'd love to get some recommendations from you guys on what we should play, so feel free to send us some of those. You can either email us at levelinganoob at gmail.com, or you can hit us up on Twitter at levelingn. That's the word leveling and the letter n. Uh, Second of all, we'd love it if you would support us here on Anchor. Uh, You can support us by going to our show page and clicking on the support this podcast button. Supporting us would give us the opportunity to get some better recording equipment and even get Tina some consoles so we could uh, play some more modern games. But hey, even if you can't support us, I just wanted to say thanks from both Tina and I for just giving our podcast a listen. We really appreciate it. Some ads might play after this, but ads or not, I hope you enjoy the rest of this episode. See you all in two weeks for the next one. 
Uh, let's move on to the next section. Uh, Tina, how did you feel about the art style of this game? It wasn't bad. Yeah. It was a little... Like, there were a few moments where the curtain was kind of pulled back for me. I was like, ooh, that... Ugh, that's a little rough to look at. Mm. Specifically, the moment that... This is going to sound so, so, so dumb. I, I don't even care, though. The moment that stuck out to me, though, was after you just murder Ryan and you see, like, he is a wound in his head and it's bleeding and it's just, like, spurting out blood. And it just, it just looks so comical. Like, just, I don't know. Like, that was a moment for me where it was just like, oh, these, you were doing so good. The hands, the hands that are right in front of me the whole time look so good. And that wrench, it looks so rusty. Good job. But, uh Okay. That's fair. Um... I mean, yeah, if you're comparing it to, like, real life, I get what you're saying. Um, I actually really like the aesthetic. It's realistic without being overly realistic. It didn't hit the Uncanny Valley for me. It didn't... It's not, like, Wind Waker levels where it still looks gorgeous today because it's a more cartoony aesthetic. But it's Mm. ever so slightly cartoony enough that I think it still absolutely holds up to the modern day. Like, it's obviously not as good as you know, like, fucking God of War on the PS4 Pro or whatever. Oh, no. But But it doesn't look like fucking the original Fable or some shit. Like, it looks good to me still, personally. It it by no means was bad. Yeah, but I also understand. This game was not hard to look at, you know? Yeah. Um, what did you feel about the soundtrack? The... The soundtrack? There were a few... A few kind of good moments you know Mm -hmm. but but other than that i think the i think the noises in this game more took precedent over the soundtrack i mean and i i mean yeah and i think push pushing the soundtrack to the back was a good it it was a good decision i mean it's a higher quality triple a i think it might be double a but like you know it's a triple a game it's not gonna have like an indie platforming bombastic soundtrack. The soundtrack is there to enhance the atmosphere, just like in Bio, uh, just like in Borderlands. It's not there mm-hmm. to be a fantastic like Hollow Knight level soundtrack. It's there to enhance the experience. I get what you're saying. Mm-hmm. I think Borderlands did it better. Fair enough. I think this soundtrack, with the exception of a few times, was more like swept under under the rug kind of thing i definitely think during gameplay it was definitely more swept under the rug but i think the soundtrack during cutscenes was like real good okay yeah 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 i can see that and it's not just the soundtrack it's the soundtrack again plus the sound effects which were great i mean the 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 sound effects as they kind of pushed the soundtrack away they like brought the sound sound effects forward and it i mean like it it was great those those first 30 minutes were terrifying. Yes. Great. How did you feel about the voice acting? The the voice acting was like 9 out of 10. Yeah, it was pretty good. It was, it was real good. There were only like one or two splicer lines that made me actually laugh instead of scream. Understandable. The, bo- <laughs> the splicers were ridiculous, though. Yeah. yeah. The vast majority of them, very scary, though. Good job. Uh, so... Let's move on to the next section. I like to call highs and lows, where we talk about our favorite and least favorite parts of certain segments of the game. Tina, let's start with weapon. So my least favorite weapon was 
hands down the chemical thrower. Same. It was, oh my god, it was just so slow to reload, and it just gobbled up ammo. I mean, that, yeah, it's the issue that I always have with flame-based weapons in survival horror games. They always have long reloads, fast ammo use, and never enough damage for the ammo that they're using, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I actually agree with you, yes. Yeah, what was your favorite? Mine was the shotgun, because of course it was. Because, of course, because you're just, you're Joseph, because, of course. Uh, mine was actually, I don't know, it was a tie between, like, the machine gun and the wrench for me. That's fair. I can respect the wrench. Because, (laughs) respect the wrench. Because, for both of them, I didn't, like, it had to be hella accurate, you know? It's fair. So, did you upgrade? And that helped a lot. Did you upgrade the machine gun a lot, then? Yes, I did. Was it your most upgraded gun? Did you put most oh. of your points into that one? Oh, by far. Hell yeah. What about plasmids? So plasmids, my least favorite was the cyclone one. Okay, it's fair. I just, I don't know. The In my opinion, I just use the damaging ones so much more. Yeah, I didn't hate, I didn't love cyclone, but I liked that it pushed people away if I needed to like escape. Mm-hmm. My least favorite was enraged just because I didn't, why? Why would you? Why? why? Why would you want to be enraged in a survival horror game? Why would you not want control of your character in a survival horror game? What are you doing? Stop. I mean, okay, fair, 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 fair. Yeah. Um. However, my favorite though was definitely telekinesis. That's understandable. Telekinesis because, is fantastic. Yes, it was fantastic. It took away the issue of bad shooting. Of my terrible aim. Because the stuff was so big. The stuff was uh, so big. And, like, it one-shotted a ton of stuff, which is what I needed. Yeah. Mine was the insect swarm. Really? It distracted dudes. I, like, my a lot of my strategy involved getting away from people. Getting I mean, into a firefight yeah. and then peeling off and, like, picking them off one by one type deal. Mm-hmm. 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 See, I just, you know how you feel about needles how I feel about bugs? We've no, I, I know. I knew that. I knew you would hate insect swarm for that exact reason. <laughs> but I liked it for its mechanical uses. I can see that. Yeah. No, I don't like the idea of bees growing out of my arm. Total. I mean, I hate that too. But it was very <laughs> but, useful. I mean, yeah. Um, what about areas? Areas. My least favorite was Fontaine's Lair. This fair. My least favorite was Central Control, which is kind of a cop-out. It was just so boring. It was like nothing. <laughs> I mean, yes, that, that, that's a pretty big cop-out, Joe, but I guess I guess I have to let you have that one. That's fair. Why didn't you like Fontaine's Lair? As you're going to see when we talk about bosses, I just found so much stuff surrounding that last bit to be incredibly disappointing. Fair enough. What was your favorite? And I think I, was, I think I was harsher on it because it was like the last thing. My... My favorite was Fort F- F- Floric. I almost said Frolic. It is Fort Frolic. It is? Yeah. Oh, that's fine. I just, I can't type. That's fine. I guess not being able to type is better than not being able to read. Man, dyslexia is a bitch. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, Fort Frolic. I, Fort Frolic was good. I liked Arcadia because I, I love the, like, indoor greenhouse vibe. Ooh, yes. Okay, I can see that. Uh, but Fort Frolic, I also totally understand. Fort Frolic's the one with, um, um, Sander, right? 
Uh, yeah, you got to, like, set people on fire to classical music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fortrolic was also high up there, but I just really liked the plant one. The plant one was good, too. It was good, too. I can respect that as a top choice. Yeah. Uh, what about enemies? <sighs> My least favorite was hands down the Houdini Slicer. Same! They sucked. They were just... Literally, if an enemy teleports, I hate it. Yeah, just... Oof! Teleporting enemies suck shit. They suck so much shit. Yeah. However, my favorite, though, was hands down the Big Daddies. Also same. Yes! They were just... They were fun to fight and challenging to fight through the whole game. They were. It was very good. It was... Is this the first... Oh my god, is this the first time we've agreed on, like, both a high and a low? But no, definitely not. I don't know. I feel like it's been... I don't think it's the first time, but it's been a hot minute. I mean, possibly. Like, for enemy, I think maybe it might be, but, like, I don't know. I feel like we've absolutely agreed. I feel like it's been a hot minute since we've agreed. I'm just going to, like, savor this moment. Fair enough. What about bosses? Yeah. Well, I was going to say. And finally, what about... Sorry. What about bosses? My least favorite was just Fontaine. Okay, why, though? Because Steinman sucked. Really? He was just so boring. He just ran around the room and fired at you, and that was his entire thing. Like at least, at least Atlas had more than one tactic. I'm so glad I savored the moment of. <laughs> I'm so glad I savored the moment. You know, because now we just get to argue. Yeah. No, stop it, Diamond. Okay, I agree. I'm sorry he was not a leveled boss fight. Do you mean? But like. Do you mean a phase they, fight? I'm sorry. I'm sorry he wasn't a phased boss fight. The phase wasn't the issue. You don't need multiple phases to have multiple tactics. I don't know. I thought his cutscene beforehand and his environment was so much better. Okay, that's fair. No, his personality was great, but his actual mechanical boss fight was so trash. Which is hilarious because my favorite boss fight is for the exact opposite reason. What's your favorite? My favorite's fucking Sander Cohen. Sander Cohen is a madman and I love him. Okay, okay. Like he he was pretty good. He was definitely up there. Yeah, his area was great. His personality was ridiculous. And did you fight him in the gallery? No. So you fought him later? Wait, what do you mean? Okay, there's two opportunities to fight him. You fight him after you put all you could fight him after you put all the stuff on the board. Okay. Or you could fight him later, like, in the, like, last quarter of the game or something. Uh, you just find him in a room, and you can just fight him. Oh, no, that definitely didn't happen. So did you just not fight him? No, no, I fought him. I I didn't fight him in the last quarter of the game, though. I, I think I must have fought him before. Huh. Maybe I'm remembering that timestamp wrong. Anyway, but you didn't fight him after you finished his little mini, his little side quests? I might have. I might have. I don't know, I just thought his fight in his gallery was really good, because he was, like, hopping all over the... It's funny, he teleported, but I didn't hate him for it. He was, like, hopping all over the place, and it felt very, like, crazy and wild and, like, I don't know, like a performance. At least I'm consistent with what I like. Yeah. Well, I. It's not that I'm inconsistent. It's that sometimes it can be done well. Most of the times it's not. It's just that you're a hypocrite. All right, that's fair. <laughs> Who is your favorite, though? What? Was it an obvious? No, my favorite was Steinman. Are you fucking kidding me? 
Why? <laughs> I thought I was making it such a big deal about how I was going to save for the moment. Why? He was so boring. I'm sorry. I thought Fontaine's was so much more boring. And no. See, the same reason you liked, um, I, oh my god, I almost called him Sandor Clegane. But that's not his name. Sandor Clegane. What's his name? Steinman? No, the guy you like. Oh, Sandor Cohen. Sander Cohen. Sander Cohen. It's close. No, it's, it's actually late, very Joe. close. No, but the reason that you like Sander Cohen was like the same reason I like Steinman. Is it just because he's a doctor? No, he was fucking creepy. I mean, he was creepy. Yeah, that's fair. I, I don't know. There, his. It was like the same crazy artist vibe, but his instead of Sanders' art was murder, and Steinman's art was body modification and murder. I think, yeah, I think mutilation is probably the better term. Yeah, I got what you were saying. I don't know. That was that was a moment that like actually creeped me out. You know? No, that's totally fair. That minute through the window where he's like, "They're all ugly. Who are you? You're ugly." Yeah, I made was- it sound real dumb. It was much creepier in the moment. Go play the game. It was much creepier. Uh, so, you have any closing thoughts? Probably should have saved this game for closer to Halloween. <sighs> no, that's all I got. Okay. Uh, and then finally, Tina, would you please give it a rating out of ten? Six and a half. I was pretty close. What'd you say? Uh, seven. <laughs> yeah. Alright, six and a half out of ten. Um, if I wasn't so angry about this dumb boss argument we just had, maybe it'd be a seven. Damn. Riled up, Joseph. Riled up. All right. Uh, well, that's it for this episode of Leveling Up. Uh, Tina, why don't you hit them up with them socials? Catch us at uh, at Leveling N is our Twitter, and then we also have a Gmail, which is at Leveling Noob or not at Leveling Noob. It's just Leveling Noob at Gmail dot com. Come say hi. Also, maybe suggest us games. Yes. Come suggest us games, so then Joseph won't have to make me play games I don't want to play. Oh, no, I'll make you play games you don't want to play. I'll just use their suggestions as reason to play them. (laughs) So, so, come back in two weeks uh, when we play one of my favorite uh, games from one of my favorite franchises. We're going to be playing Kirby in the Amazing Mirror. You're such a Nintendo slut. Yes. How have you not noticed this yet? I have, but just... Uh, whatever. I am thinking Tina's going to give Kirby a six and a half. Really? Is that high what? or low? You only think we're going to give it a six and a half? I mean... I don't think you're... I mean, I don't... I don't want to change your views, but I don't think you're factoring the cuteness factor in enough. I don't... I The cuteness factor is certainly part of it. I just don't know... How the fact that Kirby is a very easy game is going to factor into your enjoyment of it. I mean, I love Shantae. Yeah, that's fair. Kirby's easier than Shantae, though. Jesus Christ. Am I going to fall asleep during Kirby like I did with Pokemon? I said easy, not boring. No, you're roasting it, too. Anyway, I'm saying six and a half out of ten. Because okay, I just don't think you'll like it as much. I don't think the cuteness is going to make up for it. It's one of my favorites. I just don't know how you're going to feel about it. Well, we'll find out. In two weeks. In two weeks. All right. That's it for this week. This this episode, everybody. 
Thank you for listening. Bye. in this podcast was BitQuest by Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com, used under a Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0 license.